0: Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp and 30 North Investments.
1: From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Rusciutti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi,
2: I'm Peter Rusciutti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. All of us in New Orleans are proud of our culture. From Jelly Roll Morton to Trombone Shorty and from Tennessee Williams to Anne Rice, we give the world a disproportionate amount of music and literature for a city our size. But music and written words don't magically transfer from an instrument or a pen into our heads, hearts, and homes. Somebody has to provide a platform to produce or publish them. Marcy Schram produces music, lots of it, mostly in the form of the French Quarter Festival. It's the largest free music festival in the country, and it has a reported economic impact on the city to the tune of a quarter of a billion dollars. That's second only in economic impact to Mardi Gras. That's a big deal. Marcy, welcome Out to Lunch.
3: Thank you, thank you for having us.
2: Keeping tabs on what goes on French Quarter Fest, Jazz Fest, and every other New Orleans music event every night of the year is a gargantuan task. And that's what Offbeat Magazine does. It's been doing it since 1988. Offbeat also awards its annual Best of the Beat trophies to local musicians. And hosts the Louisiana Music Directory, a directory of, for the music industry professionals. The founder of all these creations and the publisher of Offbeat Magazine is Jan Ramsey. Jan, welcome down to lunch. Thank you. Marcy, French Quarter Festival has grown enormously. It, it started out as a small locals-only festival. Today, French Quarter Festival reportedly outpaces Jazz Fest in terms of economic impact to the city. And it's regarded by an increasing number of tourists and locals as an alternative to Jazz Fest. One of the reasons for that is cost. Jazz Fest has pushed up its admission prices uh, every year over the past few years. But French Quarter Fest is still free. It's not free to put on, though. Is the festival totally financed by sponsorship? Or do you have other major revenue streams like renting space to uh, restaurants and vendors?
3: Well, it's... um you know, actually I want to preface it by saying we try really hard not to compare ourselves to Jazz Fest because we're such different animals, okay. we're so different, our business model's different, and we love Jazz Fest. Okay. It's, it's a friendly, friendly relationship, <laughs> but um, just to get that clear. So um, we there's only a few ways we pay for it. We pay for it through, of course, sponsorships. Sponsorships are king. Um, I won't lie, beer pays lots of the bills. We do about a million dollars in beer income, <laughs> which we have to do because just it's so expensive. And then merchandise sales are about a quarter million dollars income, which is great. And then uh, the nominal booth fees, we charge our restaurants to serve their food at the festival. So it's just a handful of ways.
2: And so the the vendors, they pay a a flat fee or do they pay also a percentage of what they sell? Flat fee. It would be tough to record. Well, and the reason,
3: I mean, the reason, too, is we were born with the sole reason of being good for the neighborhood. We are there to be good for the economy, to be good for the French Quarter, to keep it healthy. And so um, most of our restaurants are French Quarter restaurants, and we want them to do well. We want them, uh, before they go into their lean summer months, we want them to have a good, you know, a good shot of income that our festival is able to provide
2: them. the origin was, uh, was back in 84, when the streets were all being torn up for the World's Fair, and... And w- which mayor was that? Was that? Uh, that, that was, was, was that oh my gosh,
3: I ma- have to M- think Morial. Dutch. It was Dutch Morial, Morial. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, we were just talking about Moon. That's why I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, it was Dutch Morial. And and the uh, businesses were complaining to him. They said, you know, th- we ha- we're suffering. People can't get to our businesses. The streets are torn up. And he said, let's throw a party and bring the locals back. And the first year... Of course, I was not there the first year, but um, it was hilarious. I mean, Ed McMahon was the master of ceremonies. Really? In the early years, Richard (laughs) Simmons was part of the party. I mean, it was crazy. It was like a strongman contest. We have pictures of women and scantily clad women in contests. and It was a really funny mishmash of, um, of course, amazing local music and traditional (laughs) jazz, but then kind of everything in the kitchen sink.
2: The success of French Quarter Fest, was it kind of a surprise to you folks? Do you... Do you now have, um, like, do you have a full-time staff, or are you the only one over there? Oh,
3: no, no, we're, I mean, we're very mysterious. A lot of people (laughs) think we're uh, (laughs) a a part of City Hall, and up until... Um, Mitch Landry took office. We were actually on the drop-down menu as a department of the city, which was weird <laughs> because we've been a nonprofit for 30 years. But um, we're a nonprofit. We have a staff of eight, full-time employees. And we produce three festivals per year. We also do the Louis Armstrong Festival, right, Summer Summerfest, well, yep, and, and Christmas New Orleans style. We've, and that's a month-long series of events for the city. And, um, and then, of course, when Festival rolls around, there's a ton of you know, interns and seasonal oh, help yeah. and lots of production staff comes in.
2: Well, that is great. Now, Jan, like French Quarter Festival, the predominant financial fact about Offbeat Magazine is that it's free, and so is radio, of course. Like you, our show is dependent on sponsors. As we all know, radio and publishing are changing. In our case, when people listen to our show as a podcast, they hear the same sponsor messages as they do on the radio. So the digital revolution increases our audience and helps rather than hurts us. How does it work with print? Unlike papers with paid subscriptions, with you it's a free publication and you have a large print circulation. Is it affected
1: by the digital revolution? Oh, indeed it is. But I've been very cognizant of what's been going on in print and the internet. And I think the reason why I, I had that mentality is because I saw what happened with the music industry. Uh, because when I started, for example, uh, there were we got a lot of advertising, and we are supported through advertising. Um, from retailers, from music retailers, and those don't exist anymore, or very, very few of them exist. So um, I had to diversify my advertising base, which we have done. But one of the things that I have done very carefully is to work on our website, uh, work on social media, and also uh, about 12 years ago, we started doing a newsletter that goes to, I think we have 33,000 subscribers now, that from all over the world that uh, get the newsletter. And then obviously the newsletter will take them back to our website. So what's happened and and via plan is that, you know, my print advertising is, is relatively flat, but my digital Advertising is going up. And there are so many things that you can do in digital that I'm really excited about. But, uh, you know, I am I have a very small business, and I'm kind of always constrained by money, you know. I mean, I would love to do streaming video and stuff like that, but I don't necessarily have that kind of income, you know, to do that. But it's still in my brain. <laughs> it's still in my brain. I would love to do that. I started working with French Quarter Festival, I don't know, 25 years ago or something like that. I was on their board for a while. So well, you two are buddies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. We There's know each other. Good. I've been involved (laughs) with the French Quarter Festival for a very long time. But um, one of the things that I knew, and I knew it from my readers because they told us that they were uh, having a hard time with the changes in Jazz Fest because, you know, they, they, again, it's a different business model from French Quarter Festival but they were kind of dissatisfied with the way that the the booking was going in a way Mm -hmm. and you know understand why and all that stuff and a lot of people did not know about French Quarter Fest they did they really didn't know so it, you know, I kind of tried to do specifically to take French Quarter Festival to that market, you know, to let them know, and pushed for it a lot. And I think that, you know, over the years, organically, it definitely has helped make a change. You know, and because of the internet, too. I think the internet has had a whole big impact on what Marcy does and what I do, well, actually what everybody does. But Jane, you know, uh,
2: know, we we run into folks all the time that are uh, love music or love literature or such, but you loved music, and you also had a pretty terrific business background.
1: Well... Or have you attained
2: that? I don't know.
1: Actually, I had a very kind of a checkered <laughs> past, but <that laughs> I was originally... A very different story. Originally a fine arts major, and... Um, you know, went to work and came back and blah, blah. And I ended up going to school. I had a child to support. I was a single parent. And I thought, well, I needed to get a degree in something that would always provide me with a job because I had a, a child. And uh, I ended up getting um, a degree in hotel and restaurant management, which mm. is interesting because it put me in the hospitality industry for a long time. And I still know a lot of the people that I went to school with. Mark Romick, for example. Right. Who's New Orleans Tourism Marketing Corporation was went to school with me. And I still see him, I still talk to him, and I know how the business works. And so sort of peripherally, I'm still kind of in that business, in a way, in hospitality industry. Because I understand what needs to be done with tourism and filling hotel rooms, etc. At the same time, Offbeat has a foot in that world, but we also have a foot in the world of people who are just who just love music, who are local people, who love the culture, who make the culture. And so we walk a fine line, you know. It's sort of a different, uh, you know, we, we're, we, there's always a push-pull between art and commerce, and I feel that very strongly. But that's
2: one of the things you mentioned, um, yeah. is the idea that you worry about some musicians, oh, for instance, being taken advantage of by yeah. by uh, businesses, and that, uh, that they tend to not view themselves, and I love the term you used, they're entrepreneurs, but they don't think of themselves that way.
1: No, because um, I, I think a lot of people get into music, well, they do because they're artists and they want to create music. And um, the part of your brain, I think, that that creates art and music is not necessarily the part of your brain that can figure out how to make money from art.
2: Well, Marcia, I want to congratulate you on Sachmo Fest because that's a time... When this in the summer where this city just kind of historically has gone into the, a big lull. Um, but you've done a lot to bring it, uh, to really rejuvenate it with that event. Uh, was well, that one of your goals? That's why you picked the summer? And well
3: it was founded in 01, which was the 100 year anniversary of his birth. Okay. Louis Armstrong was born um, 1901. And so I think there was a realization, it was a little bit before I started working there, and there was a realization that New Orleans, the whole world was getting ready to celebrate Armstrong's birth and New Orleans wasn't. And French Quarter Festivals jumped into action with people like Jane Ramsey and with the University of New Orleans and a few other partners and said, what are we going to do, we have to do something. And there was a, a big focus on renaming the airport, which happened that year. Satchmo Summerfest oh, came to be. Um, and there was a big event at UNO with the Marsalis family and it was just awesome. And and it's, uh, it's an event that's been interesting because the summer hurts us. It's so hard to market this festival. Locals don't want to come out, <laughs> although they do go to White Linden Night, which is the same weekend <laughs> right. as us. And with tourists, we found it has this amazing international draw, which we love. It's people from England and Germany and Japan, and, and it's organically growing like crazy, and we love that. But we're... Completely in growing pains, we have to grow the festival because we're bursting at the seams where we're producing right now, but we don't have the funding to do it. And so we're looking—we're that one. We're right now changing our business model. This is the first year we actually charged admission. It was very nominal, five dollars, right. but. It changed our life because, for the first time since I've been there, we haven't lost money on it. And uh, I mean, you know, there's <laughs> there's nonprofit a, a and then there's nonprofit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that's a very. And you don't ever really want to be truly nonprofit, but uh, <laughs> we're fortunate that French Quarter Festival is such a beautiful beast. It has been able to sustain lots of things, but we need to turn that corner and take Satchmo where it needs to be. For a lot of us. It's our favorite festival. It has so much personality, so much spirit. We put so much love into it. And people who come see and feel every minute of that. And so a lot of us are just, we're so committed to taking that to the next level of being the next French Quarter Festival for August.
2: Well, he needs to be honored. He walked on the moon. Yes. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's the different Armstrong. Just checking <laughs> on that. They, uh, they, it's <laughs> now it's the time we do the checklist. This is the part of the show where we take a little break and ask you a quick question you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. I'm going to start with Jan. Uh, Jen, what really drives your business?
1: Um, Well, I'm very positive that it is love for the music and the culture and the people that make the music and the culture here. Because, frankly, it's too hard a business to to keep going unless you're driven by something Other than money. Other than money, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I mean, you have to be driven by love for, for what these people do and what they create. And not only what they create for us, But what they've created for the world, because there's there's so much interest in New Orleans as a music city, which uh, I have railed about for years that the city itself does not really understand the love for the music that that other people outside of this area have, particularly in Europe particularly in Europe. It's it's pretty amazing.
2: And, Jen, you don't hear as much as you did, but you hear local artists saying that they had to travel all the time because they couldn't make a living here. Is that getting less so? Or?
1: Well, I, I think that's a fairly normal situation. I mean, I don't think any musician can make a living just in his hometown. It's sort of, you know, you have to travel to make money. But what you find is that the musicians here tend to travel overseas because they're paid a lot better. Okay. They're also appreciated a lot more, and I, I I'll relate something that recently happened to me. We were in England about a month ago, and went to a place called Pizza Express in London. They have them all over London, and this and all over actually all over the UK and all over the world. But this particular one in London is in Soho, and there's a jazz club in the basement, and it's set up like a supper club. And a local musician named Leroy Jones play, played there with a local pickup band, and you could have heard a pin drop. He he played all <laughs> the, kind of the old chestnut. You know, the people there were so wrapped in attention just to see somebody from New Orleans. It's it's pretty astounding, and you, unless you experience it, you don't understand.
2: That's that's pretty great. Now, Marcy. Um, Back when you were in college, what were your career plans? Did you said, I'm going to create Satchmo Fest and kind of go from oh there? Oh, no. Knowledge?
3: No, actually, I was so wide-eyed. I was um, actually graduating high school. I had this insane dream that I wanted to teach Shakespeare. And my father, who had three of us on the payroll <laughs> at the time in college, said, hell no. You, there's no way you're doing that. And so he made me go to study business. And I resented it at the time, but it was really the most brilliant advice in the world because for me my first job out of well, I got recruited out of college to work for Union Carbide and That's it was different. a great job and it was such great people but it was just sucking the soul out of my body just <laughs> sucking it right out yes. and so i got my business degree and then i worked corporate and then i just started infiltrating the arts and i got a job with a big arts organization that lobbied for government support got to know statewide arts organizations, got my first job in opera, yeah, right. and then just had a whole career that's been, you know, opera and music and now festival. And and it's it's so fulfilling in every way, but it's it's one thing I tell kids all the time who come to us as interns, it's like you have to we're running a business. Like eighty percent of the time we are in the office and we're fundraising, and we're working on budgets and we're marketing and there's so much that goes into the party that we throw, like the party's the smallest part of the year. <laughs> and so it's, um, it's a story I like to tell to you just because I think it's good advice for a lot of people that you know, it seems so fun, but it is so much work to to make it work and to produce and to do it responsibly and and at the end of the year have a board of directors who says, okay, you got another year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it is, it's a big responsibility. And, and by the way, budget. I was going to ask you, is, yeah.
2: is a board very important when you're dealing with a nonprofit like that?
3: Yeah, aboard, I mean, they're, you know, the leadership and guidance and governance and uh, just, you know, steering steering the ship.
2: And you know, it's I can tell you have a mm-hmm. wide appreciation for music because I've been to all, see all the bands at your festivals, and then you, you were an opera aficionado, I guess.
3: Yeah, well, I have to say, I'm probably a lot like Jan in that I am the great appreciator. Okay. I can't sing to save my life. <laughs> I forced my parents to let me quit piano lessons in junior high because I didn't have the patience for it because I like sports so much. But I love... I appreciate and love it so much that I give everything I've got to make sure it happens and it's good and it's healthy and it's, you know, it's what it is. It's I think it's it's a good thing to be a fan because there's this perspective of, um, like when I was a marketing director for years and years and years, I was really, really good at selling opera because I'd always try and look at it from the eyes of someone who had never been. Like what what's going to make them take that step and buy that ticket and come? And we had a lot of success. I worked around the country doing it and It's fun and it's challenging and it's always fulfilling. Like when you get that gratification when the curtain opens or when the festival opens and you see thousands of happy people and you've made their year, it's just, it's worth it every time.
2: Now we're going to do the inbox. That's where our producer picks a question that's come in from a listener over the uh, past week. Uh, Grant, what have you got?
1: Peter, we have a question for each of our guests. Marcy, this one is for you. It came in from Nicholas Broussard who asks... With attendance seemingly growing exponentially every year, are there any plans to expand or add stages to make the festival even bigger?
3: I would say absolutely yes. We explore it constantly. We have our eyes on Crescent Park, which is a beautiful new space the French market is managing on the river. And we're also looking at the Marigny. I mean, we need to grow. We keep growing, growing, and and it's part of our plans. It's all It's the budget, though. As soon as we can find a way to pay for it, we will do it.
1: Jan, this question is for you from Tori Leger, who asks, I see an offbeat that you can pay to subscribe to the magazine if you live out of town. Why would someone out of town want to pay for it when they can read it online for free? Well, that's a real good question. But I have to tell you, uh, most of the stuff uh, that we have in the magazine is old hat by the time it comes out. People still like print for some reason. I don't know why, but God... Help them; they, they like it. We do a lot more content online than we do in the magazine now. I mean, probably, I'd say, ten times more content. We don't have a paywall up yet on our magazine, and we're kind of toying with that because I'm not real sure that I want to go that route because it would be a sea change for us. But uh, we do still have people who who subscribe. But I tell you the truth, and any magazine publisher will tell you this. Um, Subscriptions do not mean money. They, d- they do not produce revenue. What they do is they give you the ability to tell your advertisers that you have people who actually pay for the content rather than it being free. So your ad rates can go up, but your subscribers do not make money at all.
2: Jen Ramsey, Marcy Schramm, you've both created New Orleans Institutions. French Quarter Festival and Offbeat Magazine are integral parts of the local music and cultural economy. On behalf of all of us who enjoy the fruits of your labors thank you so much for all your hard work and thanks so much for taking the time to join me on out to lunch
1: thank you thank you my guests on out
2: to lunch today have been marcy schramm executive director of french quarter festivals and Jan Ramsey. She's the publisher and editor-in-chief of Offbeat Magazine. You can find out more about Marcy's festivals and Jan's publications by following the links on our websites, itsneworleans.com and wwno.org. Our show was recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on our out to lunch. Mitch's new record puzzle is out now. You can find out more about that at Mitchellforman.com. You can get the show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, wwno.org and itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from the show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Rusciutti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch.
0: Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S. providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and from Iberia Bank offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 128 years, and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers' Comp and 30 North Investments.